We won't have a special Mother's Day message today. hope that's okay. I don't really do that very often. Although I think this message is going to apply to women and, and moms pretty well. We're, we're in our contentment series that we've been doing uh, for four weeks. And we have one more week after that in this series. So you're going to want to be here next week as we finish up and wrap up that series. But then starting the week after that, we're going to start a new series through the book of Titus in a series I'm calling Healthy Church. Healthy Church, because that's what it's about. We want to be a healthy, loving church that's on a mission. And and that book of Titus is really going to help us to do that. So I hope you're prepared for that series starting in two weeks. And it's about, I think, either a five or six week series. So I hope you guys get excited about that as well. But today we're still in our contentment series. And this message I know applies particularly to, to women and to mothers. But men, like I said last week, pay attention. Applies to you too, okay? You can't just fall asleep today because this is such important stuff. You know, in this series, we've talked a lot about the enemies we have to our contentment because there's so many enemies around us in our world. We talked about the stress and anxiety, that emotional, even physical response we have to situations. We talked about how to deal with that. We talked about, hey, when there's people and things around you that drive you either into jealousy of what they have or into self-pity for because I don't have enough. We talked about how to deal with those enemies, But today we're going to talk about a different type of enemy to our contentment because it is a powerful one. But here's the thing about this enemy. It's also our greatest ally. So we're going to learn how to distinguish that and how to handle it ourselves because I think it's a lot like the nuclear bomb. We invented the atomic bomb and it's devastating. Now they have bombs that are 50 megatons, can level entire cities. Such a powerful, devastating weapon that could be used for evil but also something that can be used for peace. Sure, nuclear weapons started the Cold War, but they also ended World War II, didn't they? So in the same way, what we have, this weapon, can be used for good or evil in ourselves. So what we're going to talk about is how to use it for good. And what am I talking about? Your mind. Your own mind. Milton, the great poet... John Milton once said, The mind is its own place and in itself can make a heaven of hell a hell of heaven. The mind has so much power that it can either ruin your life or it can take you in devastating, terrible situations and be able to have even heaven, have peace, have contentment no matter what's going on around you. And that's really what we've been trying to do in this series. We've been learning contentment because it is something that we learn. How can we have peace? How can we have joy? How can we have happiness no matter what goes on? So we want to learn how to think about such things. That's that this message is entitled. Um, in his book, Max Lucado wrote, turns out that our most valuable weapon against anxiety weighs less than three pounds and sits between our ears. It's not just for anxiety. It's for all the negative thoughts we have. Because our mind can really be devastating. We can have toxic thoughts, can't we? We, When someone doesn't even say hi to us, instead of thinking, oh, they're busy, or, or they have something on their mind, we think, what a terrible friend. What an awful person. You know, we we do this in our mind, don't we? We have toxic thoughts because we remember things that people have said in the past. Maybe it was a parent or a coach or a teacher that said something. And now it's become on replay in your mind over and over again. I'm not good enough. I'll never 
be good enough. We hear these voices in our head and our mind is such a powerful thing that can either drive us to despair and depression and into discontentment or it can help us do the opposite. So I want to learn and help you guys harness that power, that megaton weapon we have in our mind sitting right between our ears, three pounds. And I think that we can learn how to do it. And for that reason, we're going to focus really on one verse this morning, Philippians 4.8. We'll, we'll jump around to a couple other li- verses as well. But this verse is so powerful, so important, I encourage you right now to memorize it. Yes? I, I said that a few weeks ago about Philippians 4.6 and 7, and I talked with one person and said, I memorized it. It's been so helpful in my life. I have it on my, you know, people have it on their mirror, on their dashboard. I, I just want to memorize it. I have it on your phone, you know. So you're always seeing it. <clears throat> this is another one to memorize because we need to learn how to control our mind and use it to help us find contentment and peace instead of fight against us. You guys in? Good. Okay, so let's open up our Bibles to Philippians 4.8 or a smartphone if you have it. Um, <clears throat> we're going to start reading in, in verse 8. It says, finally, this is coming at the end of a section talking about anxiety, dealing with stress and worry. And says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And then verse 9 ends, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you want peace? This is another way to have it. By how you think. That word think in the Greek is the word lagizomai, which we have in our English, right, as logic, that same root. What this word think here means is to focus and fixate on something, to run it over and over in your mind, to chew on it, to meditate on it. You know, um, I want to clarify something about meditation because uh, we've been influenced in our country a lot by Eastern meditation, yoga and that stuff. And, And in the Eastern religions, meditating is emptying your mind, but not in Christianity. Christianity is all about filling your mind with what is good. So you can still do yoga. Just think about what it says. Think about such things, all these things it's talking about. We're going to go into detail about what these things are, but what I want to point out to you today is that if we want to fight discontentment, if we want to, that's what we're doing in this series, if we want to learn to fight it, what we're going to need to do is overcome negative thinking by filling your mind with what is good. That's what that verse said. Overcome negative thinking by filling your mind with what is good. And there's that whole list. We're going to go in in detail of all these good things. But what I want to point out is it's not about emptying your thoughts. It's about filling your mind with what is good. Now, some of you grew up going to church in Sunday school. I did. And I remember this verse, Philippians 4, 8, was used as the opposite of what I think it's intended for. When I was taught to think about these things, I was taught... So therefore, don't watch bad movies. And don't listen to bad music. And don't hang around those bad friends because they'll talk and tell you things that are bad. And it was all about keeping things out of your brain. But that's not what it said, is it? Philippians 4.8, if we can see that verse. No, no, no. It said, think about such things. It's put in the positive. Now, there is a place for avoiding negative things and avoiding negative influences. That's really helpful. That's, that's a good, but that's not what this verse is saying. This verse is saying we're supposed to fill our minds with what is good. So, so I do encourage you, if, if there's certain things that are always dragging you negative, if you're watching that genre of movie and you're always like depressed and whatever, stop watching it. 
Okay, simple. If every time you go on Instagram, you're like, man, my life sucks. Everybody else has a better life. Stop getting on Instagram. If you're watching HGTV and always thinking, man, I wish my house were cooler. I wish I had a bigger house. Then stop watching HGTV. I mean, there's some simple things about avoiding, but that's not what this is talking about. And that's not the point of my message. The point is what I want you to do is fill your mind with what is good. Now, some of you in here have a yard. If you don't live in Stapleton, um, you, uh, you have a yard. Huh? You have a yard and, man, isn't it hard to keep weeds out and stuff? Man, it's annoying. You know, and there's two ways that you can approach it. There's the good way and the bad way. So a lot of people are like, well, I need to get rid of the weeds. We're, we're just going to focus on those weeds. So I'm going to get the spray. I'm going to spray everything. I even read that some people use flamethrowers now. Can you get a big old flamethrower from Elon Musk? Torch everything. Just going to make sure there are no weeds. And then your wife's going to come home and yell at you. What did you do to my lawn? Everything's burned and destroyed. The chemicals are everywhere. It's destroyed everything. It looks terrible. It would have been better with weeds. If you're focusing on just the weeds and trying to keep them out, it will ruin everything else. But what I've learned, and and I'm not great at it, I'll be honest, but what you should do is focus on keeping your lawn or keeping your plants, if you're xeriscaping or whatever, keeping them healthy, and that in turn keeps the weeds out. Really. Now, I took a horticulture class in college, and I had to take a science class. That's what I chose. Supposedly easy, and I barely passed. But one thing I do remember is what my professor talked about, whether it's lawn or trees or keeping plants healthy, He said that if you want to avoid bugs or weeds or any diseases, 70 to 80% of them could be avoided if you just kept the plant or the grass or the tree healthy. If you watered it, fertilized it, if you took care of it, you'd keep out the weeds by focusing on filling the yard with what's good. Okay, You've got to put the grass in there to keep the weeds out. Now, of course, there will still be some weeds. We know that, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But that's what I want you to think about with this analogy. You could focus on, I want to avoid this, avoid that. Don't talk to that person, avoid there. But it's so hard. We can't avoid everything in our world. And we will always have negative thoughts, won't we? They'll come into our mind like, boom, all of a sudden you'll think something about a person, about yourself. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's so negative, it's so awful. And it's impossible to completely avoid it. But here's the thing, if you keep your mind healthy, if you keep your grass healthy you'll be able to identify those weeds easier and pull them out. You just have one or two to pull out, right? Instead of having to hoe up the whole thing, spray it all, destroy it, right? So we want to focus and fixate on what is good and fill our mind with that. In Romans 12, too, we read something similar. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but continually be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Yeah, we don't want to be conformed to this this depressing and anxiety-filled world that we live in, the discontent world. We don't want to be conformed to it. But how do we do that? By being transformed by the renewing of your minds. And we control what we think about. We do. We control. And we can decide what we want to fill our minds with. So here's the thing. When those negative thoughts do come in, we need to just pull them up because we can identify them. Here's the thing. Um... Some of you have read maybe Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. It's a very powerful book, and C.S. Lewis wrote it. <laughs> really interesting. I encourage everybody to read it. It's something good to fill your mind with, although it's challenging. It's challenging. It's because he, he wrote it from a screw tape, which is like 
one of the elder uh, top demons to this younger demon, Wormwood, teaching him how to be a demon and torment humans. This is how you should do it. So in, in one section, it, the, the demon screw tape says this. It is funny how mortals always picture us as putting things into their minds. Really, our best work is done by keeping things out. Because this is what we do when we get the diagnosis on the phone. We get the call. We go on WebMD. And we think about all the awful things that could happen to us. We fill our minds with negative things. When we have a fight with our spouses, we get angry and think about all the awful things they've done for the last 20 years. And then we call the friend who's like, I want to put up with that. Get out what you can. When instead, we should be calling the friend who's going to say, stick with it. You need to apologize. And you need to forgive him or her. And then we'll pray with you on the phone. That's who we're supposed to talk to. Something good. Not something negative. So that, that's, that's why. Do, do you see that? We, we focus so much on keeping the negative things out. No, no, no. Let's fill our minds with the good things. And then those negative things won't have room. Because there's always something positive and good in our minds. So if you're saying, well, well Matt, I don't know. I don't know if I can really control it because I, I, I can't. People say that. I, I can't control my thoughts. I just think these things. Now, to a certain extent, we do have these thoughts that come in. Unwarranted and unwanted. Just boom, all of a sudden you think something negative about a person or a situation or whatever. But, and I say this about all sin that starts in our mind, is you can't maybe stop a bird from landing on a branch, but you can stop it from making a nest in the tree. We decide how long and how hard we think about these things and whether we're going to let our mind just spin and spin and spin about all the worst and awful things we could think about, how negative we can get, and it's just this cycle that reinforces ourselves. It reinforces itself. So we've got to decide. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Hmm. Uh, John Laukin in a few weeks ago sent this uh, for this series and I really like it. He says he has this up in his office. He's a counselor. And, and that's the truth. We're just listening to ourselves and all these negative thoughts are getting worse and worse and worse instead of saying, no, 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 I'm going to stop it. I'm going to fill my mind with what is good. And, and we do this other ways. You, you've maybe learned this if you've been on long distance car trips. When you go on those long road trips, man, it can get boring quick, right? It can get tiring and get uncomfortable. But what do we do? Well, we say, okay, I've got to have a good conversation partner. Somebody in the first service said, well, we play games with the kids to pass the time, right? Maybe you watch, the kids watch movies now. Or, or what I love to do is just listen to an audio book. Because then I'm like so into it. I get to where I'm going. And I'm like, I want to keep driving. I want to know what end, how it ends. You know, when you fill your mind with something good, it helps you to not be thinking, oh, I'm so uncomfortable. This is taking forever. Oh, life is awful. So if we learn that about just a car trip, let's learn it for our lives too. Right? Let's learn to fill our minds with what is good. We control what goes in. We do. We do. We control what goes in. So we want to fix our mind. We want to fill our mind with what is good. And if you're saying, well, Matt, does this mean... I just like have to do all this Christian stuff, like read the Bible, because sometimes the Bible's so boring. You ever thought that? <gasps> the 
Bible's so boring. Does this mean I have to watch all those Christian movies? Because I can't stand Kirk Cameron. <laughs> Do I have to listen to that Christian radio? Oh my gosh. So positive all the time. What I'm saying is no. Let's look at this verse one more time. Skip to Philippians 4.8. If we could pull that up, Kevin. It says, whatever is true. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever, 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 whatever. It doesn't say Christian truth, biblical nobility. It doesn't say that, does it? Now, I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with watching Kirk Cameron movies and listening to Christian radio. In fact, it's probably pretty good for you compared to what you are doing. But what I am saying is that there is truth, there is nobility, there is what is right everywhere in our world. If God created the entire universe, there is truth everywhere. We can study it and find it. There's a theological concept called common grace that God has given to every human being the ability to think and make things and do things that are good. Yeah, it's tainted with evil. Not everything's perfect, but there is good everywhere. What's really interesting is that this list of things, scholars tell us, is very similar to lists that you see in ancient Greek and Roman rhetoric. See, they would, people like Plato and Aristotle, what they would talk about was these lists of virtues. They would say, focus on what is honorable and what is good and what is just. And that's what the philosopher is saying. And Paul uses the exact same layout of this list of virtues. And he says, think about those things. Because he was writing this to Philippians. They were part of, they were a Roman colony. Part of the Roman Empire. And he's saying, okay, in the same way, there is good everywhere. Focus on what is good, wherever it is to be found. Think about those things. Fill your mind with them. Fill your mind with them. And, and this is what I want to do, want to say about like, some of the Christian stuff. If you're like, the Bible's boring, I can't, I can't stand it, I can't stay awake when I read it. I want to say this, is that our tastes change in our lives. Who in here likes to eat something nowadays that they didn't when they were a kid? I still don't like green beans, but now I eat vegetables. I didn't eat it as a kid, right? I'm feeding our daughter, McKinley. She's 16 months. And we're feeding her, and we've been told you have to give it something to her seven times. And sometimes we'll still do it seven times after, you know, seven days, and she still doesn't like it. And then we'll wait a few months and try again. And all of a sudden, she'll like it. This is what happens with kids as part of their development and their process of the brain. This is how we do as humans. So in the same way, there are things like the Bible, like even Christian movies or Christian music, that we can develop a taste for. So even if you're hearing like, I can't stand reading Leviticus, well, don't start there. It's a hard book. Maybe start in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You're like, I like the stories of Jesus, so I'm going to start there, and I'm going to read those, and then read them again, and then maybe try Acts, because that's pretty good. There's some good stories in there, and just kind of develop your taste as you go. Okay, there's that one worship song that Bobby does, and the band does, oh, I like that song. Listen to that, and then maybe you'll find another song by that same artist that you like. And then all of a sudden you're finding yourself filling your mind with what is good. Even if they're Christian things that before you thought were boring and, ugh, you know, you're having this taste change spiritually. So I want to say that. And if you're wondering, well, Matt, how do I know what is good and what isn't good? Ooh, that's a tricky question, isn't it? It's difficult to figure out what is good and what isn't good because there's so much in the world and someone will be like, this is the best TV show I've ever seen. And you watch it and you're depressed. Oh, I don't ever want to watch that show again. Right? This happens, doesn't it? So how do we know what is good or not? Let's look at the list. Because Paul tells us, doesn't he? 
So I want to fixate and focus on these words. And this is why I encourage you to memorize it, because you can think about these words as you go. Whatever is true. Well, that means what is true. It doesn't mean like relative truth. Everybody's truth is their own truth. No, no, no. It says what is true. There are things that happen that are real. History, the Bible, it's true. Let's focus on those things. We can read and study history. It's a good thing. Logic. Think about things. Whatever is noble. Now, I had to look up this word because that word noble is talking about deeper things, heavier things. This word is never used of jokes. It's never used of things that are lighthearted. Now, there is a good place for jokes and comedy and, and fun, but this word is saying sometimes we need to think about deeper, heavier things. In Ecclesiastes 7.2, it tells us that it is better to go into the house of mourning than the house of feasting. Because we all will die. And we need to think about that reality. It's a noble, it's a deep truth. And when we think about death, we are like, am I prepared? Am I living the way I should? Sometimes there are these deep things, the glory of God that we should think about that are heavy, but it's good sometimes to fill our minds with them. Whatever is right. Now this means right as in the sense of justice. Okay, There is right or wrong, not only in relation to the law, but what is just. What is just? So this, I mean, if you're wanting to fill your mind with what is right, it's not watching the movie that, that celebrates a criminal, but the one that celebrates those who put the criminals away, right? It's focusing on justice, studying civil rights, reading the autobiography of Frederick Douglass, maybe getting involved in a movement like the modern day end of slavery. There's, there's people that are fighting for that right now because there is slavery that exists. We want to fight for justice. That's not okay. We're going to fill our minds with what is right. Whatever is pure. This is talking about moral purity. What is pure? Our world doesn't celebrate chastity, does it? But yet, purity is something that the Bible honors as a beautiful thing. What if we filled our minds with pure thoughts? It says, whatever is lovely. Now, this is anything that's lovely to our senses. So my wife, Melissa, who was here in the first service, is a very lovely lady. I love her. She's beautiful to my eyes. She's lovely. She's kind. So it can be thinking about things like that. But it also can be in any of our senses. You could have beautiful art. You could have beautiful music. You could have a beautiful movie too. There's these things that move us in our hearts and we say, that is lovely. That is lovely. Whatever is admirable. This is thinking about the character traits of individuals that are admirable, that you can look up to and esteem. I love reading biographies. I love Christian biographies, but also non-Christian biographies. You can learn some great things. Studying leadership, you can figure out, okay, these people are admirable. I want to be like them. And then you think about, how could I be like that person? Think about such things. Then it says, if anything is excellent. Now, excellence is the highest level in any form of art or athletics or any career field. What's the top? What's the best? The people that are doing the best. We can think about those things. You know, when you watch Michael Jordan, your old videos of Michael Jordan, you're like, wow, that is excellent basketball playing. That's incredible. That's okay to think about those things. It's something that's excellent. It says praiseworthy too. Now these are things that we as humans praise. I think it's really fascinating that we can think about when you do have a friend that says, that's my favorite book. Well, maybe you should read it and say, why is this that person's favorite? Why do they find it praiseworthy? What about it is good? You might not always agree with them, but it's worth it to think about and ponder what is praiseworthy. But even more so, this is talking about the things that are praiseworthy like God. 
and his creation. Going on a walk or a hike in nature, you can see things that are praiseworthy and give praise to God at all times. So think about such things. Now, I've just give, like scratched the surface of these words, haven't I? Because we all have things in our life that we think, uh, okay, I think that's more noble than that. And this person will think, oh, that's more noble. That's okay. Now, some of you have a bulletin today. We ran out because we had too many people in the first service, which is a good problem to have. We're going to work at printing more next week. But if you do have a bulletin, there's a little chart. Even if you don't have it, I want you to do this as homework. And what I want you to do is go through each of these words and write one, two, or three things for each of these words that you feel is true, that you feel is noble, and and true is true. I don't mean like that, but what you say, I believe that this is lovely. I believe that this is right. You may be like, I love the Justice League. Comic book heroes, yeah, they're fighting for justice. Awesome. Somebody else may be like, I can't stand another comic book movie. Oh my gosh. Or you might be like, admirable, you say, I love the Lord of the Rings. I have a friend that reads it through every year. That's good. There's admirable character traits in those heroes in the, in the books and in the movies. But somebody else is like, I can't stand hobbits. Just not for me. Those elves, no, no, I don't like that fantasy stuff. That's okay. Who do you find admirable? Read a book about that person or, or study that thing. So I want you to make your own list. And that's your homework this week, okay? I want you to make a list and write down one, two, or three things for each of these words that you could be filling your mind with. Whether it's a person that you know, a book, music, art, outdoors, sports, You name it. I mean, I'm only scratching the surface with these things. But write for yourself what these things are so that you can fill your mind with those good things. And what it's going to do is help keep the negative stuff out. It really will. You won't be having as much negative thinking because you're going to be stirred by the admirable traits to bravery. When you look at Jesus and you see how he served other people, you're going to realize, yeah, I may feel bad for myself, but I want to go out now and serve others. This is what it's going to do. It's going to cause this shift in your life. What if, when you get mad at that person and angry at them for that thing that they've done, instead of hating them and talking about how awful they are behind their back to everybody else, what if you just did a Google search for every Bible verse that talks about love? There's a lot of them. And then you read through them one by one. And as you do that, you're like, why am I hating this person? You read something like, God loved me so much that even when I was his enemy, he sent his son to die for me. I've got to love this person too. When you're filling your mind with what's good, it's going to expel the negative thoughts. You'll be able to overcome them in your life. I want you to do this. I want to challenge you to do this. Now, as as I was studying for this, I was reminded of the story of Kent Bradley. Now, you may remember him from 2014. He was a doctor and, in fact, a medical missionary to Liberia during the Ebola outbreak. It was brought to mind because there was Ebola again this week. And he was there in Liberia and he was treating people. He he was a doctor, so he knew the symptoms. He had studied. He was treating people. And then he began to have the symptoms. Do you remember this story? And so they immediately quarantined him. He couldn't have contact with anybody outside. None of his friends who were there. He couldn't talk to them. He was by himself. His wife was home in Texas with his family. And he was alone with his thoughts. Could you imagine what you'd be thinking in that situation? How afraid you'd be? 
Why did this happen to me? What's going to happen? Will I ever get to see my family again? Those would be the thoughts for most of us. But do you know what he did? He took out his Bible. And he began to read in the book of Hebrews. And he came in chapter 4 where it says, If we make every effort, we can enter into the rest of God. And then he read later in Hebrews where it says that with confidence we can go before God. So he wrote these scriptures in his journal and he journaled about them and he underlined words and he began to pray and he focused on the good things. After a few days, he was diagnosed with Ebola and he had to call his wife back home in Texas. He Skyped her and told her the news and his wife Amber heard the news and you can imagine the thoughts she would have terrified, just worrying what's going to happen. Is my husband going to die? But do you know what she did? She went on a walk outside, sat under a tree, and started singing hymns. She sang the hymns of her childhood like, Great is thy faithfulness, and Lord, I need thee every hour. And those words filled her mind. And even though at that point there was no cure, they had something that they had never tried before on humans, They were able to get this treatment to Kent and within a few days his symptoms went away and a few months afterwards he was declared Ebola free. Now most of us would have panicked and been depressed and angry and bitter during those times but not them because they had learned to fill their minds with what was good. And they had practiced it so much so that when the negative thoughts started to come in they knew what to do. And that's what I want you guys to be able to do, to overcome those negative thoughts that you have. We all have them. And we can do it by filling our minds with what is good. So if I have the, the band come up right now, I want to talk about the thing that's the greatest good. Do you know what it is? The gospel. Do you know why we love every story about a hero dying for someone else? It's because of the gospel. Our hearts were wired for the gospel. It's the greatest good. It's the thing that is totally true, totally pure, totally admirable that Jesus did for us, isn't it? I remember one time when I was a pastor in Nebraska, I was invited to um, give a devotion and a prayer at a public ceremony. And what it was, was um, there was a piece of one of the two towers from the World Trade Center coming to town. So they wanted to do a ceremony to honor those who had fallen, but also to honor the volunteer fire department we had in Nebraska. And these guys, so this, it was for them, and there's a lot of people in town there, and and I was trying to think, what should I do? Because these guys are like men's men. Okay, they drive American-made trucks, they drink beer, they watch football. These are men's men, right? They have good facial hair. I'm always jealous of that. I gotta work on my contentment with that. And these guys were men's men, so how do I talk with them? And do you know what I did? I shared the gospel with them. I told them the story about how one man, Jesus, was on a rescue mission to rescue us. That he was willing to give up his life to rescue us from danger and from the fire of hell. And those men were weeping. Because the gospel is the greatest truth, the greatest good. And when we think about that and fill our minds with that... It will help us overcome the negative thoughts. So I want to challenge you. The next time you hear that voice in your head saying, you're not good enough, you remember that because of Jesus Christ's death, I am accepted. When you tell yourself that I'm a bad mom, I'm a bad dad, I'm terrible at these things, you remember that 
because of God's grace through Jesus Christ, you can move ahead. When you think about all the awful stuff in the past, the terrible things you've done, you feel like, I'm just too dirty, I, I can't do it. You remember that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When you're depressed and when you're down and you're thinking, I want to end my life, you remember that Jesus died for me, that I might live for him. The gospel is the greatest good, and I want us to fill our minds with that, to fix our minds on that, to memorize it, to read the scriptures, to be here every week, to study it, because when we fill our minds with the greatest good, we can overcome any negative thoughts in our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus. That when we do feel awful and, and terrible, that, that we would feel accepted. That we would tell ourselves that truth. That we'd fill our minds with what is good. Lord, I pray that every person in here, the negative thoughts we're dealing with and struggling with, the people right here who are really struggling this morning, that you would lift up their spirits and help them to focus and fixate on you and what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. Lord, right now, we praise your name. And all together, we praise your name because you are good. You are the greatest good. And the gospel shows that greatest good to all of humanity for all to see. Fill our hearts, fill our minds with what is good so that we can overcome all the negative thinking in our lives. Amen.